Welcome in to episode six of the Barnes on Bama podcast. I'm your host, Owen Barnes, and we've got a really good one in store for you today. So going to be breaking down the Ole Miss game that happened on Wednesday night that Alabama was able to win by 15 points after a really bad start, as well as look ahead to the Tennessee game that's going to be happening on Saturday night, as well as talk about college game day that's going to be happening on Saturday as well, as it's probably going to be the game that decides the SEC regular season race. So let's get into the show and let's let's talk let's talk Ole Miss. So in that Alabama Ole Miss game, Alabama started incredibly slow. In the first 15 minutes of the game, they had scored just 23 points. They were down by 14, and it was looking very bleak. Alabama ends up going on a 16 to 5 run to to end the half to only be down three at half. It was 42-39 at half. They end up scoring 64 in the second half to end up eclipsing the century mark for the ninth time this season. Uh, you'll remember me talking about you know the 100-point scoring, or if you've read any of the articles I've written on Substack, that this is the ninth time the university, or that Alabama has eclipsed that 100-point mark. This officially ties the SEC record for 100-point games. That record that they're tying is the 95-96 Kentucky team. And again, they have a few games left to play. So if Alabama can eclipse the 100-point mark another time, this will be the most 100-point games by an SEC team ever. The other thing that's just insanely impressive about that game is you'll remember me saying that they had scored just 23 points in the first 15 minutes of the game. So from the last 25 minutes of the game, Alabama scored 80. Part of that was due to shots falling. Part of that was due to, um, you know, getting open shots and getting shooters the ball. And part of that was just due to Alabama stepping up on the offensive rebounding. Alabama was not doing well. You know, I talked in the pre-game or the preview of the game about Alabama should be able to have a lot of success in the interior on rebounding because Ole Miss is one of the worst defensive rebounding teams in the country. At the very beginning of the game, Alabama was not doing a very good job on the rebounding. They were also having some issues in transition, and that's the worst of both worlds, right? You Usually it's a situation where you're either crashing the glass or you're getting back in transition. Alabama had a, actually had a possession where they didn't crash the glass, they didn't get the rebound, and then Ole Miss had a two-on-zero for an easy layup, right? So this was a situation where Alabama was getting out-efforted. They were, Ole Miss was playing better defense. Alabama was just missing some shots, but Ole Miss was playing a little bit better defense, and Alabama just did not look like they were ready to play. Cut to that five-minute stretch. Alabama hits a few threes in a row. Mark Sears hit a big one. Aaron Estrada hit a big one. Grant Nelson hit a big one. They go into halftime just down three and then never really looked back. Alabama is then able to stretch it out to a pretty good lead on top of some big Rylan Griffin threes. Rylan ends up hitting four threes in the second half. And then um, as Ole Miss tries to fight back, a huge game out of Davin Cosby. And so I really want to talk about Cosby. He's, you know, as for anybody that may not know, Cosby is a freshman this year. He joined the team last season. Uh, he didn't play at all last season. However, he was ejected from a game. If anybody will remember the Iron Bowl of basketball last year, um, when there was the benches clearing, um, you know, he actually got ejected from a game that he never actually played in. 
But, you know, Davin Cosby has played limited minutes this year. He's even had nine games that he didn't appear in at all. But Davin comes in in the absence of Reitzel. You know, Reitzel's out for the third game in a row. And Davin is up to the challenge. He did not replace Reitzel from a defensive standpoint. Um, Davin is still, you know, getting up to speed on the defense and is still working on that side of the ball. However, from an offensive standpoint, Davin is always ready to let it fly. And he goes five for 10 from three. So I thought that that was huge off the bench. You know, Nate mentions in the press conference post game that one, Davin was playing as Matt Morrell on the scout team and ends up going 11 for 22 as well as playing some better defense. So that was part of the reason that and the effort that he had showed in practice was part of the reason why he wanted to get Davin into the game early. And you saw Davin around 13 to go in the first half. But then they also mentioned that those threes in the second half were as big as anything, and Alabama doesn't win the game without those. And I think that really comes to fruition because Davin hit some shots in some big moments where it looked like Ole Miss was going to be able to get a run started to start coming back, and there were just some big game-sealing shots. Really, this was a game of the backcourt because the, his, the two other guys that start in the backcourt and Aaron Estrada and Mark Sears both had phenomenal games of their own. You know, I've been a fairly outspoken person that both of these guys are really, really good. However, in that Kentucky game, they had just not played up to their standard. Both of them did in this game. Aaron Estrada records the first triple-double since Kyra Lewis and only the fourth ever in um, Alabama basketball history. He goes 18, 10, and 10. Um, to go with just one turnover on 10 assists. That's phenomenal. And then Mark Sears. Mark Sears ends up dropping 26 points. He has five rebounds. Uh, he has three steals, four assists, and plays all 40 minutes of the game without a single turnover. That is the level of guard play that you're going to need coming into this Tennessee game, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. But a guard, a game where your guards have 14 assists to just one turnover – from your main guards is phenomenal. That is as perfect of an offense as Nate wants it to be. That's keeping everything moving in transition. That's finding the right man. That's exactly the style of offense that Alabama wants to play. And that is Alabama's offense at its absolute finest. So, you know, want to shout out both of those guys. They had as good of games as you could ask for. Mark has his, I believe, 17th or 17th, 16th, 17th, 20th point. 20-point game of the season. So, you know, Mark is on a tear. Um, it's going to really the SEC Player of the Year race may come down to this game in Tuscaloosa. A lot of people think it's Dalton Connects to lose, but if Mark puts on a show and Alabama ends up beating Tennessee, you never know what's going to happen. But those two are definitely 1A, 1B for the SEC Player of the Year race. Um, it's going to be a really, really good game on Saturday. So that's really the big things. The other thing I want to mention for the game is um, – Alabama just showed a fight, again, similar to the Georgia game. It was a little different because in the Georgia game, it was mostly centered around rebounding. But Alabama showed a fight to come back from 14 down and win win the game, and win the game going away. They ended up winning the game by 15 points. So I thought that was really, really big. You know, having these big wins on the road, showing that they can do it, is big. The one thing that I will say about the game that's a little disheartening, and it's something that I talked about in the preview, and I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, um, but Ole Miss ends up, you know, they close it to a 15-point game, and that's on the back of they had 28 points from Allen Flanagan. 
Alan Flanagan does end up playing in this game. He is not suspended as you know many fans expected him to be or assumed was required for him to be per the NCAA guidelines um, on a fighting act. So it was a little confusing as to how he even played in the game. But Chris Beard decides to suspend him by having him not start in the game. So Alan Flanagan does not get in the starting lineup. The really confusing part to that on me is Alan Flanagan records the third third most um, minutes on the entire team. He played more minutes than the guy who started above him on the team, and he didn't even make it to the first media timeout before he got subbed in. It was just three minutes into the game, and Alan Flanagan is back into the game. So it's just super confusing to me how this is allowed to continue. You know, Ole Miss, for as good a game as it was, Alan Flanagan kept Ole Miss in that game. And it was a situation where Alan Flanagan shouldn't even been playing in the game. When you look at the reason that Wagee got suspended for Florida, Flanagan should have been suspended for this Alabama game for the exact same reason. Alabama was able to win and win going away in spite of it, but it's still, in my opinion, just a travesty by the SEC and by the NCAA that they even allowed him to play in this game because per the letter of the law, based on the NCAA guidelines, if you commit a fighting act, you're supposed to be suspended for the next game. It doesn't matter if you were assessed a flagrant two during the game that happened or not. You're supposed to be suspended. So the fact that he even played in this game is really disheartening. But, you know, Alabama wins. Alabama wins going away. There were a few more fouls in the second half than you would ideally want. You know, Ole Miss lived at the free throw line. That is something you're going to want to watch for this Tennessee game. Um, It's something that Alabama had issues with earlier in the season. And, you know, it seems to have been getting a little better where they weren't fouling quite at the same level. Part of that's due to the rotations that they're doing down low with limiting Wiggy's minutes um, and, you know, Pringle's been doing a little better at not committing quite as many fouls. So that is kind of where you've seen some success, but that is something to watch for going forward, um, hoping that the foul numbers don't creep up like they have been doing. So that's really all I have for the Ole Miss game. It was a really good game. The fact that Alabama was able to come back, you know, they limited turnovers. They got better and got better rebounding. They end up winning the rebounding battle, even though they were down I believe six or seven at the half, you know, it's a really, really good end of the game, really good final 25 minutes to be able to score 80 points. You're a little concerned at the lackluster start in in Oxford, and it really concerns me for the game in Gainesville coming up next midweek on Tuesday. Um, We'll talk about that one in the next podcast, but that game does concern me um, just due to Alabama, you know, how they've been playing on the road. But Before we skip ahead to that one, we've got a really, really big one that's happening on Saturday. So let's talk about that one. So first things first, on Saturday, we've got a full slate of affairs. Beginning on Saturday, Alabama hosts its first ever college game day. College game day is going to be live from Coleman Coliseum at 11 Central. The university has released some information about what that looks like. What I'm seeing is the doors open for students at 9.30. The doors open for public at 10. Game day starts at 11. And then the game starts at 7. And the doors will reopen for the actual game at 5.30. So normal reopening procedures as it always is. 
The only part that really changes is the fact that game day is going to be in advance of the game that morning, and it is open to the public. You do not have to have a ticket to the game to attend game day. However, if you are a student and you are attending game day and you are getting there, the first 2,000 students are going to be receiving a wristband and they are going to be getting priority entry into the game that night, right? So those that are at college game day are going to be getting a wristband and then the wristband is going to be giving you access to the game that night and priority entry into the game. So that's huge. It is a whiteout. So wear white. This is going to be one of the best environments that we've had in Tuscaloosa in possibly ever. You know, this is Alabama's first college game day. This game, for all intents and purposes, very well may decide the SEC regular season. Alabama and Tennessee are currently tied with Tennessee having the current tiebreaker um, over Alabama. However, not sure if anybody is aware the SEC does not do tiebreakers for the regular season title. So what I mean by that is if Alabama and Tennessee finish with the same record in conference, they will share the SEC title. So they will get a share of the SEC regular season title. Now, depending upon tiebreakers, that will determine the seeding for the SEC tournament. But Alabama can still win a share of the SEC tournament, and it would go a long way winning this game, especially having a really tough one coming up next week in Gainesville, like I mentioned earlier. So when we're looking at the Tennessee game, I think that there's the first off, the first person you have to look at is Dalton Connect. Dalton Connect has 39 against Auburn. You know, I mentioned him earlier. He's in the running for the SEC player of the year. He has been scoring at another level and is probably going to be the top college player taken in the NBA draft. He has shot up draft boards. He's just a do-it-all, has done everything that Kentucky needs and at times can put the team on his back. I think I saw a stat that he ends up outscoring Auburn in the final 11 minutes. Connect had 25 and Auburn only had 21, right? So this is a situation where he is the best player on the floor most games that he plays in, and at times he can take over a game and prove that he's that best player on the floor. However, one thing where Alabama had some success in game one is Connect did not shoot at the level um, that he is capable of. He ends up only going one for six from three. And, you know, he didn't play quite as much as he's played in some other games because Tennessee got up so much early. But this is a situation where Connect has not been as good on the road. One of his worst shooting performances of the year was against Missouri on the road a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, as well, he just has not shot at the same level on the road as he has at home. That's not to say he doesn't have the ability. He absolutely does. And there have been some games on the road that he did really well, namely the Arkansas game. But this is a situation where Dalton Connect has to be your, you know, number one option. What do we do to stop Dalton Connect? In my opinion, some of this is a situation of Dalton Connect is going to get his points. And Dalton Connect himself probably isn't going to be the one to beat you. It's the rest of the guys at Tennessee, right? In that first game, Connect ends up with his points. But what ends up costing Alabama in that first game is Jonas Adu and Ganey ends up, end up both having really big games. And that was really what ends up doing Alabama in in game one is it was not the scoring by Connect. It was really the scoring by all the pieces around him, right? Just having one player that can get some get their points isn't the issue because Alabama has the ability to score with them. 
the issue entails when the rest of the team, you know, goes up to that person's level. In my opinion, the player to watch in the game is Jonas Adu for Tennessee. He is somebody that has been on a tear over the last few games. I've got it here in front of me. Over the last five games, he has scored 23 against Arkansas, 11 against Vandy, 14 against Missouri, 18 against AM, and 19, or sorry, 14 against Auburn. Um, you know, rebounding numbers of 7, 14, 4, 8, 12. You know, has multiple blocks in, in these games. Uh, it looks like he has. He had 11 blocks in those five games. That was something that hurt Alabama in game one. Adu ends up having 19 points and four blocks. He was really the key to the first half of that Alabama game. Alabama really didn't have any way to defend him. Um, he got Grant Nelson in foul trouble early. Grant Nelson only plays 17 minutes and fouls out. A lot of that has to do with how Jonas Adu was playing in the interior. So I think Adu and how Alabama defends Adu has as much to do with this game as Dalton Connect does because if Alabama has to double down and leave a shooter like we were end up having to do in that game one, that ends up causing additional problems. And, Alabama, and then Tennessee has the ability to make shots, right? Tennessee makes 10 threes in game one. A lot of that has to do with how we're having to try to defend Adu and it then leaves open open shooters. Ganey ends up having a really good game. And, you know, it kind of goes on from there. The other really, really big piece and probably the most important part of this game is how well does Alabama hang on to the basketball? Alabama has been much better at home in turnovers and, um, and block shots or, you know, not letting opponents block their shots and not giving up turnovers as they have been on the road. This was a massive, massive issue in game one. In game one, um, Sears has seven turnovers. Griffin has six turnovers. They have Tennessee creates 15 steals. Tennessee was always out running in transition. And Alabama ran into the issue that we were just beating ourselves by how many empty possessions we were giving and how many easy possessions we were giving to Tennessee for them to just run in the flow of their offense, right? We were able that we gave up 15 steals on 20. We also gave up 22 full turnovers, and then there were six blocks. Right? Nate talks about the blocks at the rims are sometimes just as bad as a steal because that block ends up happening and it gives it to the opposing team, or it gives it to, yeah, it gives it to the opposing team, which they can then run out and transition the same as a steal. Right? So that was a huge issue in game one. This is something that Alabama has been a little bit better at in Coleman than they have been on the road. It has to be better in this game if Alabama wants to win. 22 turnovers, 15 steals is not something that will win this Tennessee game. I don't care how good your offense is playing, right? This is a situation where it brings your offense to a halt. It gets you out of your flow. It gets you out of trans gets you out of transition like Alabama wants to play. And it's just not a recipe for success. The other big part of the game was in game one, Alabama only shoots four of 21 from three. Tennessee did a really, really good job of running Alabama off the three-point line. And on top of that, they did a really good job of not allowing Alabama to just get easy assists. You know, Alabama has the most success when they're assisting on all their baskets, right? You know, I just talked about in that Ole Miss game, Alabama gets 14 assists to one turnover from their main two guards. Well, in game one against Tennessee, Alabama had just nine assists. 
nine assists for a game is nowhere near the number that Nate Oates is looking for. And that is not the offense moving and flowing at the direction that it wants to be flowing in. Versus Tennessee on the opposite end, because of all the steals, because of the blocks, because of their ability to flow in transition, Tennessee ends up having 21 turnovers. So as much as the... um, as much as the turnovers have to do with this game, I think that the assist number has a huge piece to do with this to do with this game because the assist piece is going to tell you how well the offenses are flowing in transition. Is Alabama, you know, being there on the catch? Is Tennessee there on the catch? You know, are these allowed to be given up open threes? You know, what's what is the offense to defense looking like? Because at the end of the day, Tennessee is one of the top three best defenses in the country. Alabama is currently the number one offense in the country, right? So this is a best-on-best matchup. So when it comes down to that, it's can Alabama get into the flow in the offense? Can Alabama thrive off the crowd that I'm sure will be electric? Is this a game that Alabama can dictate the pace? Is this a game that Alabama can limit the mental mistakes, limit the turnovers, limit the easy giveaways, because that's what's going to cause the biggest issues. If Alabama allows themselves and allows Tennessee to get out in transition, to steal the ball, and to just get running and in the flow of their offense, Alabama has shown the inability to be able to defend that at, at a high clip. You know, we saw the Tennessee game. We saw when Auburn got out in transition on the road. We saw what Tennessee looked like in game one on the road. You saw the first half of that Ole Miss game. This is a situation where Alabama, you know, being in the flow of their offense and being in, the, you know, being locked in on defense go hand in hand. If Alabama is locked in on defense, it allows them to potentially, you know, get stops, get steals, and get out in transition their own self to get the ball moving and to get the assist numbers that Tennessee did to us when we were in their place. So I think this is going to be a really, really big game. I think that Alabama has a decent chance of winning this game. However, this is going to be the toughest game Alabama's played at home to date. I know the Florida game was tough, but I think that how Tennessee plays defense, how physical they can be, especially depending upon how this game is officiated. You know, the the Tennessee games with Alabama officiating often plays a fairly large role because of how physical Tennessee likes to be. If Tennessee has the ability to be as physical as they want to be, that's not in Alabama's best interest. So Alabama has to bring its own physicality. Alabama has to rise up to the challenge. And Alabama has to get ready for what's going to be a very tough game. From tip to buzzer, this is going to be the toughest game that Alabama's played at home to date. One of the toughest games they've played all year. And at the end of the day, this game very well decides the SEC regular season. Because if Alabama can win this game and win out, they win the SEC outright. If Alabama wins this game and loses to Florida, they at least get a chance at a share of the SEC title, right? So if Alabama has aspirations to win the SEC title, it has to start with this game. And this game is an absolute must win for Alabama if they expect to either A, try to climb the seed line when it comes to March. Currently, they're sitting at a three seed. If they want to try to chance at a two seed, you got to beat Tennessee. Also, if they want to try to win the SEC outright or have a share of the SEC title, it starts with this game because you're at a huge detriment. Tennessee wins this game, 
and then you have to go into Gainesville and you have to hope Tennessee drops another game, right? Because at the end of the day, right now, you're neck and neck. If you get the winner gets the leg up in the SEC championship race. So that's all we've got for today. It's going to be a really big one in Coleman on Saturday. Hope that everyone that has a ticket or can get a ticket is there. Game day is going to be electric. I'm sure the atmosphere will be awesome. Um, I will be at the game. I will also be at game day. So if anybody's curious about meeting up, wants to hang out, talk, please feel free to reach out. Shoot me a message on Twitter um, and reach out, and I'm happy to discuss or you know see you at the game. It's going to be a really big one in Coleman, um, one of the bigger home games that we have left, only one more home game left with Arkansas. So you know this is a big one. I'm glad that you know Alabama gets the rematch at home because it's in our best interest and Alabama has played really, really well at home. They have one of the best home winning streaks in the country um, in SEC play. So this is a situation where I think the home crowd can bring Alabama to victory. So that is all I have for the show today. If anybody has any questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to drop them in the comments or shoot me a message on Twitter, Substack, or however you find this content. If you do enjoy, please like, subscribe, you know, share it with a friend, um, and let me know what you're interested in seeing. There will be some additional content as it comes to basketball and football as the season go- drags on. So please reach out if you're curious of anything specific. But if not, I hope you all have a great rest of the day, and I'll see you. Peace.